Do me a favor. Stop crying. Listen, I'm gonna do something really good for you. Okay? You promise to stop crying. Jim, give me that album we got yesterday, please. Oh, no, Phil. Yeah, I want the album. But we haven't even Look, opened the it. little girl's unhappy. Give me the album. Thank you. Look, this we got yesterday could be treasures. It's all yours. Hello, listening people. This is uh, Ryan Slowinski here, one of the hosts of Spit and Polish Presents, but I'm, I'm all alone. I'm looking around and Bartek isn't here. Could he be in Poland? I, I have no clue. Oh, hey, I've got a letter right here. Wow. Oh my god, it's from Bartek of all people. Well, we better start opening this up. Oh, look, there's cool. Look, there's even a cool little stamp with it. Oh man, I've never looked at stamps before, but now I'm looking at one. Oh, what a magical time. Let's open this up. Let's just get this opened up. Oh my god. I hear some magical music playing. Oh my lord, Bartek's flying Whoa. around the room. He's like this weird cartoon man. <laughs> oh, I'm so rotoscoped. Oh my god, it's the, oh, it's like that. Oh my, Bartek, you're here. Yes, I am. Sorry, I was busy. Yeah, you had to mail yourself from your suburb to mine. and Yeah, from Canada to, Canada uh, to your suburb. I had to stop in another suburb first, though. Yeah, China. China, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little suburb of China. Yeah, which, you know, fun fact about, you know, Canada and China, it's going to be a bit relevant later on this episode. Will it? Yeah, it will. Will it? Will it, yes. Willow's a movie. <laughs> uh, so we are spitting Polish likingly because you're always spitting, and Bartek has been to Poland. I was just there a few days ago. A few days ago, and yet the post all the way here. <laughs> Bartek's been around and around and around and around and around and around, but not to the left. Poland, just Poland, Poland, Canada. Poland, Canada. Don't forget China was there too. Yes. Oh man, and we talk about movies on this show called Pictures Pow Wow, the original PP, and we talk about movies that come recommended and. Bartek will recommend a movie, I can recommend a movie, you, the listening people, recommend movies to us as well. You can suggest them, we put them on the list. So and, I I will recommend, you can. And, and they do. And they do. And they do. You do, guys. You can do it. Uh, and we got a listening people's suggestion for this. Not just any listening person. Somebody who we've collaborated with has mm. been on our podcast. We've been on their podcast. Bartek, who am I talking about? And what film did we get pitched? So our buddy from Dirty Harry Minute, John Bampton. Thanks, John. <laughs> Thank you, John. Uh, recommended. He's recommended a few things on, mm-hmm. on our list, but this was, I think, the At first the top, thing he recommended. The so probably the oldest thing we hadn't covered yet. Mm-hmm. Um a movie which, until two days ago, I went the whole week getting the name wrong in many different ways. Because <laughs> it's long? Yeah, it, the, the film is called Tommy Tricker and the Stamp Traveller. Yes. I think for most of the week, I was stuck on, you know, so many words beginning with T that I was like, oh, Tommy Tuna and the Time Bandit Traveller yeah. or something like that. And then I'm like, oh, no, no, it's not, tu- it's not you know, Tuna, it, it's Turner. Or, uh-huh. <laughs> but, oh, no, Tommy Tricker and the Stamp Traveller. 
what it, it rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Yeah, I completely forgot about the stamp thing, which mm-hmm. which is quite ironic when you consider one of the main interests of the film. Well, let's start our discussion now, people. If you've not seen Tommy Tricker and the Stamp Traveler, it is available to watch on YouTube currently. There's two yep. versions of it. Watch the one that's longer because it includes the uh, the end credits, which are super important yeah, to I'll, the lore I'll, I'll of tell, the film. Yeah, I'll tell you this listening, people. I watched the shorter version and it mm. literally ends in the middle of a sentence. Mm. And I did not know that that was the case until... Because it faded to black, right? Yeah. When he, and it cuts off in a way where you go, oh, that's the end. I did, that And I did not realise that that was the case until I got here, like you know, 20 minutes ago, and Ryan was Mm. like, oh, did you listen to the end of that sentence? And then he showed it to me. I showed it. Uh, But let's talk about the movie. Bartek, could you get up on your phone the Wikipedia for this? And I want you to read the plot. Now, Bartek has not had a proper look over the plot according to Wikipedia, but I did last Mm. night, and it really, (laughs) really made me question some things, and I'm curious if it will make you do that as well. I've done some research, but I didn't read the synopsis. So I've got it here. I'm doing the drop down. Plot. I'm going to click on plot now, and it's going to show me. Yeah, and you read know, it. Read it all for us the, right here. The essay that unfolds. <clears throat> a young boy, Ralph, and his sister discover a magical ability to travel the world, <laughs> riding within postage stamps. Complicated by a series of rules, they are lo- soon lost in such far-flung places as Australia and China. Ralph has a st- a stutter, and the film is essentially a coming-of-age story wherein Ralph can speak fluently by the film's end. You know, I think maybe I did read that last bit. Where was that? Was that in the movie? No, no. Before we even crack open the insanity that is this, everyone, watch this movie for yourself. Come back. It's insane. Uh, I will warn, for my preference, it does get a little bit boring in parts, like severely boring in certain sections, but stick with it. Did that that moment that you just read the, the he has a stutter and this is a movie about him overcoming his stutter is is that is that real so I noticed that he stumbled over lines but the thing is I personally just thought that that was bad acting because other kids stumbled over lines so I'm as al- well I'm almost the same as you because I thought that was also just like our oh, child acting because there is bad child acting in the film yes but there is a line at the end like a throwaway line from I think Tommy or something it's like hey and you're not stuttering anymore and when and <laughs> I actually did notice that line and it gave me the reaction sort of you're having now of like Oh, I thought that was just bad acting. Oh, that was a that was a character thing because the the it was never like properly talked about at any point. It was that never he's bullied. Yeah, it was just a thing that he had, and it was never a pronounced stutter like you would expect in a movie for children. In fact, if this is what it is, which apparently I never even heard that line, uh, if that's the way it is, I'm going to give Tommy Tricker this note: too subtle. Yeah, with that one <laughs> too subtle, and also it's undermined because other child actors in the film fuck up their lines in the similar way that this kid is apparently stuttering. So it, it didn't really translate as probably. And, and even then, I wouldn't say that that's what the film's about. The film, like that says the film's about him overcoming his stutter. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like when we did Vampire Academy and one of the characters at the end is like, oh, no, you're not wearing a black shirt. Yes, yes. Or in that movie where it's like, that dress is you. And it's like the That's lamest so dress. dress. <laughs> it's like the lamest dress I've ever seen in my life. And it's so not the character. 
ah, Tommy Trekker. What I expected going in mm-hmm. was with the words Stamp Traveler and Tommy Trekker, I really did kind of predict what this was going to be in a way. It reminded me of a title that would be an episode or a story in uh, the children's television series made here in Australia called Round the Twist. Round the Twist is a a series based on all of these uh, funny, weird, short stories that were written by, I can't remember the author off the top of my head, but it would have absurd things about this family that lived in a lighthouse and they would have all of these weird supernatural, paranormal events happen to them and magic and oh this episode they find that there's a dragon that lives in this cave on the beach or this episode they find out that the lighthouse has ghosts and they would always have these type of titles like this is called the stamp traveler where i would imagine it's a a person who travels via stamps so i kind of figured it out a little bit because of my own consumption of childhood media where we would in our time in the 90s, I know this is what, in the 80s? The late 80s. Late 80s. In the 90s, we would have these wildly imaginative, outside-the-box uh, child fantasy books and, and TV shows. So I actually did uh, determine things. And then here's the even bigger thing. The film opens and the opening credits is showing Canada, Canada, Canada. I'm like, oh, this is a Canadian movie. And there's only one other children's Canadian film I really know from this time period, and that's called The Peanut Butter Solution. I was happy to find out that the creator of that is the creator of this, the Mm. writer and director, in which the pitch of that movie is, I can't remember fully, but a kid goes bald, and to grow hair back, he rubs peanut butter all over his head. And eventually his hair grows back, but it grows back too much. It's like overabundance of hair growing back. And it really reminds you of something like what Raoul Dahl would write. And that film is heralded as a cult classic kids movie. Oh, yeah. It's, it's part of the same series. Yes, part of the same series. It's, it's yeah. this weird world. And Peanut Butter Solution is one of those childhood nightmare type movies. It's just, it's just really bizarre. Yeah, this one, this film is number seven. That one's number two on the list. And... Here we are. I was correct. I saw it and I went, oh, this must be... I wonder if this is by the same people who did Peanut Peanut Butter Solution, because that's a weird movie. Mm. And then after watching it, I found out it was, and it answered a lot of questions. Or not questions, more... It, it, It made the movie make more sense, because having experienced myself, the madness of this person's work previously made this one go, oh, that's right. It's as if, say... We watched Thunderpants on the podcast. Now, imagine if we saw another film of that variety from the same filmmaker. It wouldn't be as weird. It would be like, oh, well, I've seen Thunderpants. Yeah. So this is just in their lane. Or when you watch a David Lynch movie, you watch Eraserhead, and then you watch Mulholland Drive, and you go, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm well, even, even just having seen Twin Peaks and Mulholland Drive, they were like, oh, this is the same guy. Same brain, but it's a weird one. Mm. Uh, what did you think? Tommy Tricker and the Stamp Traveler, you said the name was just going in all different directions during the week. I, yeah, I never memorized it. Mm-hmm. I knew that I could have easy access to it, so it didn't matter that I didn't memorize it. But yeah, just going the whole week. I was like, oh, Tommy Tuna and the something about time traveling? I don't know. <laughs> um, I was basically completely blind on it. The only thing I really had in the back of my head was last week... Uh, when we were telling your wife Rachel about it, she 
made some comment about like, oh, it's always good when you look up a film, you don't recognize anyone in it. So I'm like, okay, it's going to be something a bit more obscure. It's not going to have, you know, a recognized name or anything like that. It's not going to have Clint Eastwood in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I didn't have any prior experience with uh, the fr- the thing this is from, which I looked it up afterwards. It's some franchise called like Tales for All. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of numbered entries starting at like zero, going mm. out to like 22 or something. The most recent wow. entry... Film-wise, was made in like 2014 or something. Oh wow! So it's it seems to be some sort of long-running, I guess either made for TV or straight to video slash DVD kind of movie series. Mm. Um, yeah. So I I didn't walk in, you know, guessing anything from the title, but the opening credits of the film did begin with like a number or something mm-hmm. like that. So I did get the sense of like, oh, this is. This is, like, a se- maybe a series of, like, stories that mm. are being told. Like, I guess in terms of me comparing it to something, there's that American series, like, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Where, like, yeah. every episode is, like, kids around a campfire, like, telling a story. Mm. Um, so the goosebumps. Yeah. So, and even looking at the title, it did feel kind of, like, fairy tale mm-hmm. And there are elements in the plot that, you know, kind of feel fairy tale Like, I, jumping ahead, I know I haven't talked about you know, impressions or anything like that. But, like, later on in the film, when they're in Australia, there's a plot about uh, this character named Mad Mike who, mm. you know, he wanted to create a zoo, but then all his animals got poisoned and he became jaded. And then the way that you resolved that story is that you gave him a koala and you were honest to him, and that led to a reward, which that felt like very fairy tale logic. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh... Big problem, act of kindness, solution. Yeah, a morality for kids. Like yeah. A morality story for kids. Like, hey, be kind to others, even if they're scary. Yeah, so it definitely... Also, don't poison animals. Yeah, so definitely kind of like a contemporary slash late 80s uh, fairy tale kind of story. Um, and even the way, the way the film began, like, we're on a schoolyard and there are all these kids just, like, being kids. It almost mm. reminded me of, like... You know, hey Arnold, you know, you've got all yeah. the, this cast of characters, they're all very distinct, they have their interests, you know, one's jumping rope, one's like got sunglasses and making a song. One loves stamps. One, well, we're getting to that, Ryan. Uh, one of them's like got a snake, and then you got this one really cool kid who likes stamps, and it's like, okay, here are all these elements here, and they're all going to be of equal worth. And in also, this film. somewhere our main character exists as well. Somewhere, somewhere, somewhere. We'll get to, we'll, we'll get him anywhere. Uh, but we're not talking about the main character right now. We're talking about the titular character. So Tommy Tricker, you know, he's got something with stamps. It's like, hey man, let's go around the corner. And I'm going to mm. show you the new thing. It's like, ooh, drugs, like rock and roll, stamps. Porn. It's like, oh, 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 this is a funny little joke. Like, oh, stamps are a big deal. But then after this point, stamps are... The currency of the universe, it feels. Yeah, so I compared it to basically like shonen anime that has existed since <laughs> maybe the dawn of Pokemon, where mm-hmm. you've got these anime series where the world has that one big thing that they're obsessed with. The mm. big example being, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! You know, the Yu-Gi-Oh! cards are dueling. This, Beyblade, this is, with Beyblades. Yeah, yeah, this is the movie of stamp collecting. <laughs> like, stamp collecting is the biggest deal. We get the classroom scene, which at this point we're still not quite used to the fact that stamps are a big deal. He's, like, dealing stamps, and, like, there's some sort of illicit dealing with there's that. There's a like, stamp expert kid who has glasses yeah, 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 yeah. and a suitcase. Yeah, and he's, like, telling him <laughs> off, like, he's the he's the nosy one. And at one point, like, he, he takes the money out of the kid's hands, gives it to the girls, like, 
all right, give me back the stamp. You can have the money back. It's like, oh, I don't want the money. I want the stamp. <laughs> and it's just like that line right there is like, oh, this is the film that we're in for. <laughs> <laughs> it took me, a, you know what? It took me a while. It took me a while to get used to that because <laughs> as somebody who uh, is not interested in stamps at all, this was the most like, stupid thing to me. <laughs> and I remember thinking throughout all of this is, I can't believe we haven't met one kid who doesn't like stamps. <laughs> doesn't like stamps because i know for a fact i would relate to that kid because i don't give a fuck about stamps and then on the youtube video i watched there's all these comments being like as a stamp kid i really love this movie and i would caption my enthusiasm as a kid for stamps Uh, and i'm just like well fuck me i'm a monster because i was never that kid i would have bullied that see because i watched the shorter version it was a youtube kids upload so i had no comments Uh, i really missed out but but no i don't think i've ever met anyone that collects stamps which Mm. i'm not gonna go out uh, i'm not gonna say that's a lame thing or anything like that there is an art to it obviously and there's and, money to it and there's money to it and you know us growing up in the modern age we haven't really used stamps all that much so there mm. is a bit of a like huh interest you know it came across as something of an older generation it to did us. yeah uh, and that is a part of the disconnect but also like i would say and i think this is why the movie does succeed in terms of what it is when it's a world where everybody's obsessed with stamps is there are certain things that col- uh, 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 collectors collect or hobbyists have. So train sets, stamps, uh, maps, so bottle, caps, bottle yeah. caps, ships in bottles, all this stuff that you 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 know exist, and you you know in a way they're refined and dignified, and in a, in a way you go, it's- that's that's that. Even though I wouldn't do that. It's respectable collection, or it's a respectable hobbyist yeah, thing, and or, it, uh, you know, uh, entrepreneurial thing yeah. that they collect stamps and they have a wine cellar and they they shine their monocle while their kids cry because their daddy's collecting stamps, you know, all that yeah, kind of. And, crap. It, and it adds to the whole fairy tale aspect of the film because you know fairy tales they have a very old timey feel to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, you don't really get fairy tales pardon me, that have been written by, you know, very young people. Mm. So it feels like, oh, whoever made the origin story of this film, uh, you know, either is a stamp collector or comes from an older time with older sensibilities. Mm. Mm. So your impressions, though, of the movie? Did you love it? Did you hate it? I was giggling throughout the whole thing (laughs) at just how... I guess sincere it is about <laughs> the stamp collecting universe, <laughs> and very the SCC, some the very, SCU some very uh, yes, a lot of unsubtle things and a lot of like, why did you do that kind of things. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you loved it in an ironic sense. I, f- I loved yeah, I loved it in an ironic sense. Um. But then, as you also already said at this point, like, it succeeds in some regards as a children's product, yeah. I guess. So, yeah, it's it's not made for me, mm-hmm. and there are many weaknesses to it, which oh, really? I, I was laughing rather at, rather than with. Uh, yeah, uh, the, to praise the film, it really does encapsulate hyperfixation that you have as a child. Yeah. When you're a kid, there are certain things, it doesn't even make sense, but you just are drawn to. So, for instance, when I was like five years old, I was obsessed with emerald green cuckoo wasps. 
that was what well, I was. I dressed as one to a Halloween party. My parents were like, why? I'm like, and my rationale was, they're cool. Emerald green cuckoo wasps. Isn't that the coolest thing you've ever heard of before? Um, yeah, and I was just obsessed with like bugs and praying mantises. And even when it goes to beyond, like Pokemon cards were a big deal. And even uh, going past that, there were like things that I just like that I don't obviously now, but I was just super fixated on. Like, I was super into Bionicles and I was mm. all about collecting Bionicles and I was all collect- about collecting Happy Meal toys as well. And that's just a part of what it is like to be a kid. There's those things that you go, obviously, there are things that are marketed towards you to be hyper fixated on. So you collect them and buy more product. But yeah, there are also those. Gotta catch them all. But there are those things where it's like, it's stamps for some people, or it's, I don't know if you had this, but I swear this is a phenomenon. I don't know what it is, but every so often, marbles come back in style with kids. When I was, I remember exactly when I was in year four, marbles took over my primary school. Everybody had marbles now. Everyone was obsessed with trading marbles. Everyone was obsessed with looking at them, wanting them, playing marbles. I I have no clue as to why. I don't think there was anything in the pop culture around us that was pushing that. It was just collectively every kid was obsessed with marbles now. Did you ever have anything like that growing up? Uh, I never remember marbles being a big thing uh, for myself. Um, But I guess... Yeah, Pokemon cards were a pretty big one throughout primary school, especially towards the later years where, you know, we had the principal giving speeches about them. Mm-hmm. I still remember one where she was explaining the concept of, like, trading a rarer thing for a not-as-rare thing mm. as being, like, a rip-off. Did you have Beyblade obsessions in your youth? I think there were some kids that had Beyblades, um... But it wasn't too big, but they were very interesting. Like, a lot of people, like, paid attention to that. Yeah, but did you have, as a kid, any, like, weird things that you were fixated on that aren't, like, the standard, like, your Pokemon cards or your video games or anything? Like, anything, like, you were just obsessed with, like, this bug? Well, you know, I know yours. I know yours. (laughs) It's frogs. Frog? I remember, yeah, late primary school, there was one day where a kid brought in their pet frog, and I was just like, man, that thing is really cute. Mm-hmm. And for a little while, yeah, I was really interested in frogs. I still have some of the toys from when I was a kid of frogs. No, no, don't under don't undersell it. If you ever walk into Bartek's room, which is most likely if you listen to this podcast, <laughs> go on. You walk in, there are so many frog paraphernalia, like toys and things, on around. this one really high shelf. You know? <laughs> it's weird though, because. It's like, you don't expect it. Uh, your mum is obsessed with elephants and yeah, the Virgin little, yeah. Mary. <laughs> <laughs> little art things. pieces of them, yeah. Um, I've always been interested in cans, I guess. Like, right. really shiny, like, colourful cans. Like, I even have some in my room still. That, like, oh, I really like the art on this. Oh, did you? Did you, I actually have them in my room right now. I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing one. Texters, the Connect Texters. Mm. People were fucking obsessed with those as kids they would make spaceships out of them airplanes guns, yeah. but guns yes uh animals crazy like and there was like a culture to it when i was like in year five people like had a whole thing oh here's another one paper planes paper airplanes there was a whole oh, thing those, where th- those are always around those but there was a there was a real heightened like we would color them in and people would like 
see whose was better, and if you won, you got their one. And that's what this movie's capturing, but it's with stamps, which may be funny to us as adults and as people who have never been interested in stamps, but to praise Tommy Tricker and the stamp traveler, it, it in a very cartoony way, but also in a very honest and sincere way, really brought me back to what it was like to be in primary school where you guys are just chatting about texters or chatting about paper planes or chatting about stamps and it comes across as this is the most important thing to us mm, it's the big it's the big shonen anime topic ah oh, man oh man <laughs> now my impression of this was i didn't okay i had a like i said i had an expectation of what this was going to be and it didn't happen for a very long time. So we spend the first 40 minutes of the movie just kind of faffing about with these characters. It is really like the first half, yeah. And I'm going, oh, well, are they ever going to travel to other places on stamps? Or am I just making that up? And then they introduce the law, and I'm like, oh, cool. And then it's still time. We're still in Canada, and they're still just there's still the one mystery of, of like, now a stamp, and they're trying to yeah. find him, and it just goes on and on and on. And I, I enjoyed. Here's the here's the crazy thing: the film loses me once they do start traveling because he leaves behind all of these fun characters that I rather spend time with than Ralph, the main character. And he goes to China, and he hangs out with some characters I also found boring and. This movie is really fun. I would suggest you watch it with another person or a group. I know, I think we both watched it on our own. And I did just find myself dazed and confused watching it at points where I just kind of zoned out a little bit at some portions of this because it was so monotonous and it wasn't going anywhere. But then they would hit me in the face with a frying pan of silliness. And I was just like, what was that crazy nonsense? I've got to really pay attention to this movie now. And it was making me laugh in lots of places. The dubbing in the movie, the 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 yeah. ADR was 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 my favorite character. <laughs> and it's a film where we it's like the universe exists where it's like we have these cute kids, right? That's the universe, but the adults are all ugly weirdos who are like really bizarre and strange. And I just wanted more time with the adults because they're just such weirdo characters. Like honestly. <laughs> I would watch a whole movie about living in that stamp shop that the dad hates. I would watch a whole fucking movie with those guys. Those guys were nuts. Those guys were characters. Uh, so overall, I, I liked the movie, but also I did find it a bit tedious in portions of it. Uh, did you have that at all? I guess I didn't really have as much of the tediousness because it just was so bizarre mm. most of the way through. I was always expecting, well, expecting, I was always waiting for the next thing to happen. Um, I didn't quite pick up on the literalness of the title with the, you know, the mm. stamp traveler thing. Um, and they had brought up the idea of like, oh, imagination at one point. So I was, you know, considering, okay, is there, is there actually going to be a supernatural element to this or is it mostly just going to be children's imagination spurring on the adventure? Like, there is going to be some sort of metaphorical meaning to mm -hmm. the other side of the world, Sydney, Australia. Like, oh, the museum, the Australia section or something like that. Mm -mm. Um, but then as soon as, you know, the light starts shining off mm -hmm. the envelope, it's like, okay, supernatural the thing, so let's see where this goes from here. And a lot of it is kind of just making up some extra rules like mm. why can't the friends pick up the letter but everyone else can 
what was that? That was so bizarre. Or like, um, uh, uh, oh, if you still, you can still be opened even if you haven't been mailed to the location that you're supposed to go. Like, that's a rule that I think should have existed that would have made more, but that would have made more trouble. But there was that moment where he goes to China. It's like, he's not supposed to go to China. He's been mailed to the wrong place. They could still open him. I feel like if that's a, like, and this is us as adults being like, the law and the magical rules of the stamp traveling doesn't seem that consistent. Because you get to the end where we find out, like, a previous stamp traveler who is the person that set them on their way to collect this, you know, treasure. Yeah. Uh, is stuck in a stamp themselves, and this old man knows he's stuck in the stamp, has had him there the entire time, could have freed him at any point in time, but just hadn't, and just keeps totting like, that poor boy. It's like, <laughs> why don't you fucking help him then, you bastard? It's like you've locked someone up and didn't throw away the key and really pitied them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's a really it's, it's that, bizarre It's that meme film. of the guy, like, shooting the person's, like, why? Why did they kill themselves? Yeah, the Eric Andre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, why would the why would they do this? Um, I uh, let's rewind. Tommy Tricker is not the main character of the film, but it, no, sorry, it's in the title though. No, 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 no. This is one of those movies. <laughs> this is an Oscar situation where in the film Oscar, he's not the main character. It's snap. It snaps. Yeah. It's Angelo. It's Angelo, right? Snaps. Yeah. Provolone. That's it, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's not Oscar. So, but that did fool me for a long time because we opened with like the main main kid I remember in the first five minutes is Tommy Tricker. Yeah, he's, he's such the, an animated character. He's, he's got deals and he's got a snake and he's he's being all wacky. And he's like, this isn't a well, snake. To, it's to a reference, lizard. And it's like, oh. well, yeah, to reference something that started around that time. He is the Bart Simpson of this movie. He is the the mischievous one who's getting into these, you know, tricks, like his last mm-hmm. name, Tricker. Um, we learn about the world mostly from his perspective, like his trickery with lending out fake stamps and conning mm-hmm. people out of money. We learn about his family situation. We even get a start of a little, you know, like, ooh, backstory mystery when the nerdy kid, like, makes says, fun like, of his dad. makes fun of his dad. And it's like, okay, there's... There's a character mm. being built here with questions. Since you brought up The Simpsons, it's like if The Simpsons was called The Simpsons. We meet Bart Simpson. He's the exact character we all know and love, but the show's actually about Millhouse. Yeah. And you're like, well, look, Millhouse is good and all, but these Simpsons that the show's called seem pretty interesting. I might want to spend some time with them. Oh, no, 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 no. No, you're with you're with Millhouse. Uh, yeah, a more like butters Millhouse to compare it to South Park, I guess, because he's yeah. a bit like a nervous kind of character. He's got like dad issues. Yeah, Millhouse. Yeah, Millhouse. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> why are you Why are you stopping me with butters? He's just Millhouse, <laughs> except for with a parrot stutter now. Apparently, well, his, his dad's really... a bit more pathetic, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're both pathetic weirdos. <laughs> one sleeps in a racing car bed, and one sleeps with stamps. I don't. I don't know what to tell you, buddy. <laughs> I was talking about the. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Yes, but we start with this character. He's the titular character. We're learning things about him. We've got this mystery. It's like okay. We've we've fulfilled the Tommy Tricker part of and the... And the, the kid actor is pretty good. Yeah. Tommy Tricker, like, you believe him as this kid. Like, even though it's a movie character, you go, I I know that kid in real life. I know what this type of kid. He looks like people that I've known. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And even you know, a lot of the kids in this film have, you know, bad child acting on them. His one isn't as strong. He, he's got, like, the mischievousness down. I thought he was good. He was pretty good, yeah. the the sm- he, When he smiles, that, like, cheeky smile, it's like, okay, yeah. To- Tommy's in tricker mode right now. <laughs> and he's got, like, the dumb sidekick guy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. I wish he was in the movie more. Yeah. Uh, we get to meet the, the, what was the character's name? Was it, uh, so it was an A. Was it Alan? The Which one? Which one? Who collects stamps? The the one with the glasses. Oh, the I was trying to remember his name, but it he was my favorite. The nerd kid. I thought he was the best kid actor in the film. I legitimately thought this is a talented actor uh, for a child. And Albert. Albert. He was good. I thought he and I honestly and I know this is me saying the Ralph, the main character, is bad. Not just acting wise, but I just don't think the character is good. I would have watched Albert as the main character of this movie. Like, similar story, but you just have Albert because, weirdly enough, Albert's the one I'm like, yeah, he's obsessed with collecting stamps. Well, Ralph, I keep forgetting that he is a stamp boy too. Yeah, but when we when we look at Albert versus Tommy, it's very much the chaos versus order. Like, mm-hmm. Albert is the, you know, kind of snooty, or not snooty, but like stuck-up class president kind of character. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, He's got the suitcase. He's the one who would say, you know, some sort of weird phrase like, I'm trying to remember what Josh Peck said, like, man, oh, man of La Mancha, like some sort of, some sort of like weird thing like that. He's got the suitcase, like you said, the glasses, like there's just a lot of character coming out of him Mm. and he's going at it very sincerely. Yeah. Uh, And we meet... Ralph, at some point in all of this chaos, the he main was, character of the film. He was at the school in the beginning scenes, but I cannot remember what like he was doing. But then once Tommy goes to his house, that's like the passing of the baton of like main character. Oh, can we talk about the the the, the house is being renovated scene for like the rest of the coverage of this episode? Because I was losing my mind at that. That's what the movie like. Okay. To be fair, there's a lot of crazy stuff at school. Like, you know, they're all obsessed with stamps. A kid has a snake and he says it's a lizard and he's cut off his legs. And the teacher's fucking crazy. Like, the teacher's is like, ooh, do I, should I buy those stamps off Tommy Tricker? <laughs> <laughs> when they go to Ralph's house and it's like, it's being renovated. And Tommy Tricker's just saying, like, oh, this is a nice thing here. And this is, like, he keeps repeating yeah, the same right, thing when he's going over, up the and over and over again. And then he ran out and he goes, oh, that's an expensive picture frame yes expensive and then he started saying things are expensive like he's like i gotta use a new one now <laughs> and he like the little sister's showing him around and he peeks into a room where another girl is it's like we don't know who these people are like i didn't even realize that we were supposed to be at this ralph kid's house i was like oh he's just at some person's house he's looking for a ralph i don't know who ralph is like i i really didn't comprehend that our main character was going to be the main character and so he goes and tommy trick is doing his tommy tricker thing making jokes making jabs looking around like, and oh, this is the main character we're going to follow for the rest of the film he steals the stamps he tricks the main kid and he runs off and there's a whole bunch of shenanigans and then the camera turns back to this ralph kid it's like no 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 we're following this kid like no, this is ju- this is just the first sucker of the film, right? Please, like the rest please. of the film's gonna be him suckering other people out of stamps, right? Okay, you you loved this movie more. Is it an actual weakness that our main character is Ralph and not Tommy Tricker or Albert or even the the sister? Is it just me not being a fan of these milk toast 
type of protagonist? Is it me being of the Frankie Muniz generation where I want a little bit more of an edge to him? Oh, this was proto-Frankie Muniz. This was 1988, my friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, look, Ryan, the Wikipedia synopsis doesn't lie that he had a character arc, he had an ending, um, but the titular character was the interesting character. Mm-hmm. And this isn't just a case, dear listening people, of, you know, oh... Tommy's just the supporting character. That's fine. He he can be, like, the antagonist. Mm. There is long bits of absence of Tommy Tricker in this film. Like, after the baton is passed and we're fo- focusing on Ralph, there's just a lot of scenes with Ralph dealing with his problems where we don't see Tommy. You know, we get, like, little glimpses of, like, a dinner scene. No, I just to go with the dinner scene, that really infuriated me because it's like we're watching Ralph... Peer, I think it's Ralph peering yeah. into Tommy's life. Yeah, and I'm just like, can we go over there? <laughs> we go already, over there. We've already had like an introduction to Tommy's home life, like after he suckered Ralph out of the stamp and got some money, which is a far, far more interesting home life to follow in a movie rather than the little rich boy whose daddy's upset with him because his friend stole stamps. Yeah, yeah, and like I was saying before, like we had Albert's thing of like, ah. Oh, Reminds you of your dad or something like mm. that. It's like, oh, home life issue. And then we have the scene where he goes home and he's like brought all these groceries. It's like, oh, he he's doing trickery, but it's for like noble, ho- noble home life, like feeding yeah. the family. Yeah, and the mum's kind of just over here in the corner, slavishly working on things, yeah. but also too frazzled to really kind like of she, be there. She knows that like, oh, I almost called him Ralph. That's not Tommy. Tommy. It's like, where'd you get the money? It's like... Ask me no questions, I'll tell you no lies. And then she doesn't follow up on that. So mm. it's like, okay, he's clearly some sort of like important character in this family's life, almost like Henry from Book of Henry, even. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we had the scene of Ralph like looking into the dinner scene, we did see this sort of like other side of Tommy where like he's telling off his siblings for being lies. I'm like, lying is no good. So it's almost like. Mm. You know, he's doing illicit things so that, like, his family, his younger siblings can have a better life, it than, almost felt like. Him. So it's like, okay, we're developing this character, and we're going to go back to him soon, maybe, or we're going to at least follow him a bit more throughout the film as, like, a supporting mm-hmm. character. But no, like, after that, we don't see him for a while until, like, he just happens to be, you know, eavesdropping in on, yeah, like, the was, cabin. that was nuts, because... I kind of saw the face peer through the window, and I'm like, oh, that's Tommy Tricker. But then a part of me was like, why? Yeah, why? They haven't set this up at all. Like, I know he's mischievous and he's doing this, but, like, how does he know what they're doing enough to go eavesdrop or e- on them? Or even they just, like, why would set he... set this yeah. up a little bit more. Or even just, like, why would he randomly decide to do it? Does Ralph frequently have And doesn't he know that he's, like, going to get serious shit for coming back to the house of the person he's just robbed? Yeah. He seems and yeah, we, very, very bizarre. And bec- and let's not forget this fact about that scene. Like, the kids inside the house do not realise that Tommy's listening in on them. Mm-hmm. The next time they interact with Tommy's when they're on the bus, which a very bizarre thing happens at the beginning of that scene, but just to go mm-hmm. on to Tommy, Tommy enters the bus and's like, there you are, you maggots, and they all just instinctively decide to, like, run away. It's like, Why? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense for Albert because he's actually willing to physically fight Tommy throughout all of the movies. Yeah, they have a tussle. They've had a later tussle on. They have too. they have another tussle. Yeah, later that Heck, day. Heck, even in the school sequence where Tommy Tricker put like a bunch of shit in his uh, briefcase and it like starts making like not my stamps. He still had to go at Tommy for that. Like yeah. he's not afraid of Tommy. So in the scene where it's like they're all afraid of Tommy, it's like 
why? Because for, it's in this us, sequence of the movie. Yeah. He's the antagonist. Yeah. They need to run away from. For us, the audience, we know what Tommy's goal is. Like he mm-hmm. he's heard about like the 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 supernatural mystery kind of thing, and he wants more information. He wants to get the the, yeah. the gold but at for, the end of the rainbow. But for them, yeah. But for them, they haven't interacted with him properly in like two days almost. Here's, here's another fundamental flaw. Like I I said it. You want to follow Tommy. You want to follow his home life because it's more sympathetic. It's more layered. Instead of following that rich kid whose daddy's upset with him because another kid stole stamps, you'd rather want to follow the kid who's down and out on their luck. He's a bit rough around the edges. He needs to grow. Like, what he's doing has complicated, like, nuances to it, but it's still not the morally right thing to be. And you would hope maybe in a movie we'll see him grow and change and develop. And... You want that. You want to focus more on that because it is much more sympathetic, much more understandable and relatable mm. than more the others. Yeah. And so when they see Tommy Tricker and they're like, run away from him, he's a monster, and let's traumatize him because his dad's like this homeless man and it upsets him and it doesn't make our main characters who we are following look that noble and... I know he's a villainous kid, like in the movie, where he, you know, he does these things. He's listening in, but out of the two kids, which one do I want to get the gold at the end of the rainbow? The one who's already well off, or the one who isn't? Which one? Of course, it's the one who isn't. I want the the poorer kid to get the the reward that is going to be gained through this stamp traveling far more than Ralph. All Ralph needs is just enough money to get that one stamp back and it'll make his daddy happy. Like, it's not as fascinating to me. Uh, but that's how they went with it because, you know, you got to have Tommy, you got to have a villainous. I, I, well, I mean, I guess beyond their home life situation, Ralph is a victim of, you know, Tommy? of trickery. <laughs> no! <laughs> yeah, but I feel and less he... sympathetic for him, though. Maybe you do feel less sympathetic, but I think they he does still have sympathetic qualities to him. Like, obviously, he's got self-esteem issues. A and stutter. A stutter, which, well, to be fair, out of the two of us, two out of two did not realize that that was a character <laughs> trait. So <laughs> the Wikipedia let, said it yeah, is. Let, let's assume that the origin book mentions, like, he has a stutter. He's not mm. just bad acting words. Um, he, he has, you know, these issues. He... There, there are sympathetic qualities to him, so it's not like we have to pick one or the other between Tommy and him. The The fact that we are following him and Tommy is, like, antagonized him, there is a sense of, like, okay, well, I want you to succeed as well, but, like, if we are looking at the bigger picture, then, like, like we... Like, this is such a complicated film because, yeah... Tommy does have all these complex things about him. They that added too many layers to they him. They did, yeah. For me to look at him the way the film wants me to look at him, which is the cartoonish, villainous kid who's slightly nice because they can reason with him at some points. They added too many sympathetic qualities and too many interesting ones for me to just Interest, look at Yeah, interesting more so than sympathetic, I'd say. Well, but yeah. like, look, he's, he's a dickhead kid for sure, but like... His home life and his mentality, and even that scene you said about him talking to his younger siblings, I, I go, yeah, okay. I like yeah, I- you. While with Ralph, it's just like, look, yeah, he got tricked, but, you know, I just, he's too much of a, uh, you know, 
vanilla protagonist. He's got the no vanilla more so rough yeah. edges to him. And that's why I asked, is it because I'm of the Frankie Muniz generation? And I mean that sincerely of like Macaulay Culkin, Frankie Muniz, uh, even Amanda Bynes and so on and so forth, where we had a lot of these child characters who were smart Alex and liars and uh, bad kids and they have to grow up. They have to prove themselves. They have to be better by the end of the journey. Well, here it's just like Ralph just has to give his dad back a stamp. I do, I do understand that. Yeah, Ralph, not Ralph. Sorry, Tommy Tricker is the more interesting of the two characters, who I'd rather follow. But Ralph does meet like the bare minimum of like, okay, there's sympathy here. Let's mm-hmm. see, let's see you resolve your issue. Can we talk about the stamp store? Yes, we can. We oh should even. Oh my god. <laughs> Follow those freaks. My favorite character was in only one scene in the movie, and it's the guy that had the, the sold them the book thing. <laughs> I don't even I don't even know what his deal was, but he was he had a weird voice. He had a weird fa- he was this old weird man. He had weird priorities. I have this, <laughs> I, I, I have this package that I haven't opened. And I'm going to sell it to you. Hello there, it's me. I am a friend of a David Lynch. I should have been in one of his movies. I tell you, as one of the funny old people. How many films has you released by this year? <laughs> a lot, I hear. What year was Blue Velvet? Oh, I think I should have been in Dune. <laughs> I should have been the Baron Va- uh, Harkonnen. Oh, I'm not fat enough. That's okay. I'll eat a lot of stamps. <laughs> he tells Tommy, get out of here, kid. <laughs> was, like, okay, we had like three characters from there. We had like the, the owner of the stamp. We've got the big the boss big, guy. Big boss guy. Who, big guy, big beard. And then you had the Weasley guy with the lamp on his head. Well, he had like, the magnifying glass thing. Yeah, and it had a light on it. Yeah. Um, You had him. It, it's very much a, you know, fat guy, skinny guy dynamic. An old guy dynamic. Like, the skinny guy's, like, kind of a bit more nervous, clearly a bit more subordinate. What were these characters, man? I, I, I... I felt like they were... Were they bad people? Because <laughs> Ralph says, my dad doesn't like coming here, you guys are crooks, or something along that lines. And I'm like, oh, these are bad people, are they now? They were They seem very nice. They were very gentle and generous to the sister. Well, because she's a little girl. Yeah, but they gave crying. But they gave her a thing that they paid like twenty five bucks for, and they haven't even opened yet. And it's like, hey, this could be valuable. That was I'm pro- just gonna give it to you. It's yours now. That was probably the best scene in the movie where he <laughs> says very, very, very sincerely to the little girl, "Hey, hey, stop crying. <laughs> just, just, hey, hey. If I do this, will you stop crying?" He, he's very much the adult who's like, "Oh, I don't like children." But I'll be polite, because if I'm mm. polite, that means the child will go away quicker. I, I saw... Tommy that, yeah. Tricker, quicker. <laughs> Sorry, go on. I saw them as... Because m- most of this film up to this point, we've been following the kids who are obsessed with stamp collecting. And like you said, it's like, oh, this is capturing the childlike obsession. We have been introduced at this point to at least two characters who are adults. And it's like the one of the natural progressions of these characters, like the very mm. old collector guy who's like, oh, he's he's visiting the house, everyone, you know, best behavior. He's mm-hmm. like, kids meet him and we're going to talk about stamps. And also the dad who, a bit more like you said, of like the obsessed parent who's maybe a little bit neglectful of the mm. child, uh, gets very strict when, you know, something doesn't go his way regarding the stamps. That's one. That's a funny statement. Just sorry, sorry. It's very strict if something goes, doesn't go his way about the stamps. <laughs> well, that was that's my way of saying that he has a very stern word with his son when he oh, finds out the stamps Lord. gone. But um, 
these two characters in the shop feel like a bit more of a you know more childlike adult version of mm. you know, it, maybe if the obsession went a bit too well, far you could argue that they're an adult version of Tommy Tricker where they do it for the profit of it rather than the love of it because that is what they're doing it for they are doing it for the profit well, that's a good they point are too, yeah. hiking up the prices they are extorting people for it they are the reason why our heroes can't get the stamps because they don't have enough money and these people only care about the money but the actors are just really fun. So it kind of takes away uh, the level of these are the cruel adults that won't help us, like the guy on the bus, for instance. The I think yeah. they call him in the credits Nasty Man. Yeah, he, he has uh, no love for stamps. He has no love for anything, and he hates everything. Well, you know, in these kids' movies, like with Big Fat Lie with Paul Giamatti, you have the villain, like you have the adults who are either antagonistic, ambivalent, or cruel to the children, and in varying ways, in varying levels. And eventually, you get ones where they warm up to the kids, or they are nicer kids. And these characters feel like they should have been. And again, if I'm going to have to pull it, I'm going to pull it. They should have been, like. Home Alone type, where in Home Alone you had so many adults who just didn't give a shit about what our, our main character had to say, like, oh, phone up the police, oh, they won't listen, you know, oh, they will, and they go, and they're, oh, you kids, oh, all that. You needed these characters to be a little bit more dismissive, but since they have actors playing them who are so fun and so bizarre looking, you can't help but be drawn to them, and you have the com- comedy delivered with, uh, Please, please, stop crying. Yeah, take this, take this, just go this away. This is yours now. This is yours, if you please stop crying. Uh, you can't help but be endeared to them, but I think the movie's telling you in dialogue, these are bad people. Tommy Tricker deals with them, and they know that he steals things, but they still deal with him because he stole from them. So they do know he steals and sells. Like I think the film is trying to tell you these are bad people, but I couldn't help but like them. I, f- I feel like... All of their interactions that had anything to do with the sister, though, plays them up with, like, a rogue with a heart of gold kind of thing. See, I took it as that a little, but also, when a little girl starts to cry in your shop, you will just kind of react in a way that seems like that, if if you're not a total bastard. Like, a part of me goes, uh... Well, it's a little girl crying, so he's going to be like, please, stop crying in my store. This doesn't look good for me. I don't like it. But uh, I love those guys. I wish they returned at the end. That's what I mean by, like, you know, they had this sort of rogue with a heart of gold thing to them. It almost felt like they could have become, like, further supporting characters for this plot. Like, maybe they'll learn about, like, the stamp traveling thing and you know, something along those lines. Uh, Wouldn't it be cool if they learn about stamp traveling and they're another foe that they have to try and get I'm trying to, com- to the end? I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to compare them to something in my mind. This is not accurate, I guess, but going back to Big Fat Lie, you remember the bully character? How, like, <laughs> yeah. At first, how he's, like, you know, against the main character, but then, like, he's involved with some of the hijinks on the side. Uh, and he like becomes, it, like, a sweetheart. Yeah, and it feels like these guys could become something a bit more like that. To make it more Japanese, uh, for a second, they, they, could, they in part remind me of how uh, Ghibli movies work, in terms of you have your... Um, 
Oh, I can't remember which Ghibli movie it was, but there's like one with these where the the, sky, main, the pirates, the, the pirates, yeah, the yeah, that's the one pirates. I watched, uh, Laputa Castle in the Sky. It feels like they could be those type of characters where on mm. the surface they seem like your cartoony villains in your kids' movie, but over time you realize how soft and cuddly they are, and they're actually nice, and they use their brutish ways to help. Uh, main characters and in fact what was scary about them is now endearing about them as well yeah Uh, that's how i kind of look at them but again i think the text of the movie is just supposed to be the bad guys that are stopping the main character from ending the plot of the movie then we get to the bus scene (laughs) i i couldn't handle the bus scene i I feel like there's lots of scenes i couldn't handle the mean the nasty man i didn't even like oh that bus scene well there's a few it's a whole continuous amount of bus scenes because they get off a bus and he becomes a stamp and he gets back on a bus and then in china he's on another bus and then yeah 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 see the thing that i was thinking of was on the first bus scene the one where tommy eventually gets Mm. on i was like there you maggots are at the very beginning of that scene the three of them sit down, like Albert, <laughs> Ralph, and the girl, and like, okay, now we're going to talk about the story. And Albert just gets up. He's like, hey, look outside the window. There's that kid. <laughs> some fucking kid on like a surfboard. <laughs> there's a kid on like a surfboard skateboard, like just going by. And what Albert's like, that? hey, waving at him. Hey, the guy what? waves back. What and then I'm like, that? oh, please let this end with just no meaning. And then just he goes back to his seat. <laughs> Just continue. and then the scene properly begins. <laughs> that, was, that was crazy. That was that was awesome. That's, that's ten out of ten filmmaking right there. Do you want to tell the listening people the message I sent you on Facebook before we? Oh, I had a heart attack. We have a series that we used to do and would love to come back to doing called Mystery Box, where we chose movies at random and we would watch them and we would find them at a secondhand store or by weird means. And a lot of them would be weird kids' movies that felt like they were made from another dimension. And Bartek has said on even this podcast, like, there have been some movies we do on here that feel like an unappreciated masterpiece or so on and so forth and like you the, are we there and are we done yet? Uh, yeah and ones. and you said i've just watched one that feels like a, a no i've just watched a, a mystery box movie and i said i've never like i i replied that like such a haunting commentary before watching the film <laughs> and it really was true like if we picked this out of our mystery box it would have been right at home because I I almost wanted to say to you, like, man, I wish we just watched this in your living room and then immediately went to do the episode so uh, we could have all this weird stuff fresh in our minds. It, it's still fresh in my mind. The, the nasty man on the bus, I loved him. <laughs> I, I was him because he's the only person in the movie who doesn't give a shit about stamps. He's, yeah, he's one of those characters whenever we do something that, like, weirdly he fixates on a thing. Like, one big example from our podcast history is when we did Black Annie, and there was that one character that, yeah, who never participated in the musical scenes and Mm. never really seemed to be present. Yeah. And it felt like- like he lived in a world where musicals were not known to him. When musicals, when the music sequences start, like, he does not exist, and then he'll, like, interrupt one at Mm. one point. This character felt like, you know, the guy in the stamp world who just doesn't like stamps. (laughs) That would have been a really funny character to have fully fledged. It's like, this is a world where everybody's obs- like in Pokemon, everyone's obsessed with the thing, and here's the one guy who's like, I don't get this. <laughs> Why is everyone obsessed with this? Is there a character like that in Pokemon? 
trying to think, is there a person in Pokemon land who doesn't care about Pokemon at all? They're like, why Why are we obsessed with this? I think the closest that franchise gets is like people not interested in specific things like battling. It's like, mm. oh, I love Pokemon, but I don't like the battling. I don't get it. <laughs> I think there was one. I don't like eating Pokemon. <laughs> I know there's those. Ah, uh, man. Uh, the bus sequence and our main character, Ralph, turns into a stamp and it's horrifying. And he's all rotoscoped and weird, and they have the kazoo music play, the love music you love so much. I love the fact that, like, in the without f- a doubt, it always plays. Yeah, the f- well, this is the thing. It, the first time it plays, it's and I always get these two words mixed up. Diegetic. It actually exists in the scene, mm. so it's like, oh, this wacky thing's happening while this musician in the town square or, mm. or city square, whatever, is like playing the kazoo and like a bunch of other instruments at the same time. So it's like, oh, this wacky performer happens to be next to the crazy thing happening but then every other time the crazy thing happens it's suddenly non-diegetic that's just the theme music of the weird thing happening it bizarre choices were made in the film and horrifying ones when he's a stamp and you can hear him talking slightly like when we can hear him but then yeah, yeah, it's it's very much that, and reminds yeah. me of like the Simpsons when Bart was a fly. Yeah, and throughout all these sequences, the stamps like we've already brought up the thing of the friends can't pick it up. There's just all these rules and uh, what's that term like loopholes that you need uh, to do to get him into like a letterbox or something. I, it's so crazy why they can't just pick him up. I don't know why that's a law that needed to be added here. And they eventually mail him, and they're trying to mail him to Australia to go to the thing, and then he stops off in China. Yeah. And this is where the movie loses me. I I, I was bored so much during this. Like, it was amusing that he got posted to the wrong place, and I liked seeing the whole process of, like, him getting stamped and every Like, him, you know, the, the people yeah. actually physically stamping the mail and all that. And then he goes to this little house in China, and just, we spent a whole bunch of time just being like, guys, cultures... They exist, and there's similarities between, and hey, I'm a little bit intolerant, but I learned a thing, and isn't that nice? Now I'm off to Australia, and I just, I don't know, I just I just didn't really care about, like, there wasn't many funny things in that section of the movie for me, and there wasn't any interesting, like, fascinating enough characters, and the commentary of China from this kid's movie I didn't find particularly insightful either. Outside of, like... You know, as a kid, I would have enjoyed a like, oh, this is what China looks like. You know, other than that, I I didn't get much out of this. This is where, you know, this is when Cool Cat goes to the uh, Hollywood. Hollywood, <laughs> the worst part of that film. The worst part of the Cool Cat <laughs> saves the kids. Yeah, um, I didn't. This I, is the sex scenes in the room. Yeah, not as funny. <laughs> I didn't hate it as much, but definitely the pace was really slow because there were there were a couple of you know weird things going on there. You know, a lot of the things are like the language barrier. It's like mm. China, and then he like shows him the map. It's like, oh, okay. Um, oh, Ralph, Ralph. Um, and then when they're going through like the market scene, I, I like there was one moment when they were eating the food from the market and like struggling with the chopsticks. Mm-hmm. One point where Ralph like it just falls out of the chopstick and he just starts laughing. Like that felt like a really like maybe it was not even like an improvised moment yeah. or just it really happened. I'm like, oh, this actually feels quite real. Um, but yeah, that sequence of the film plays around a lot with like the cultural 
and I don't mean this too negatively, but like ignorance, because like one point they're like, oh, we will get you in there with the dragon. Mm. And it's just like, what does that mean? Is this some sort of other supernatural thing that's mm. going to happen? But then it leads up to like a, you know, very rational thing, but mm. just very overly complicated Rube Goldberg way of getting him into a post office. <laughs> Were you surprised or not that, now the second half of the movie was just following him. Like all of these characters uh, that we've had in the first half disappear. Even Tommy Tricker, yeah. we don't get to see him until like way later. Like when we get the reveal, like he's the guy. Pre- like you already kind of figured out he's pretending to be Charles, but like, well, we we did, we skipped over the fact that Tommy was the one responsible for sending him to China. Yes, yes, yeah. that is true. So it was this very weird thing of you know we. Pardon me. We had the sequence of like Tommy, uh, you know, there was another fight with Albert and the scene mm-hmm. with the homeless man, but then Tommy finds the stamp with, uh, with Ralph in it. Yes, and his dog has it. Yeah, and he has this like very weird scene where like suddenly the, the sympathy's turned off and he's like, oh, I've got your brother. Don't worry, he's safe with me. Then he sends okay, him. Can you, can you please rewind? When he first opens up that scene on the phone call, he does the pervert voice on the phone. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I've got your brother. Something like that. He even goes, I've got your brother. And they're like, who's this? It's me, Tommy Trigger. I was like, why did, he, why did he do that? It was funny. It was funny. That's was, why he did that's it. That's why he did it. But yeah, he sends him off and you know, gets delivered to China. And then you're right. We... Not only do we not see the other characters anymore, but suddenly, like, oh, the titular character is now away, literally away from the plot. Mm. And even most of the time when we're in Australia, like, Australia and China, we're just with our one character, Ralph, and it really highlighted to me, like, man, he really needs these other characters to bounce off of. Mm. Well, no, he had Mai Ling. And he had, uh... That girl from Australia who kind of disappears. Sheila or something. Who kind of disappears. Did you like... Did in you... the movie, she kind of gets lost in the shuffle of all the events. <laughs> well, she doesn't really want to be involved, I guess. <laughs> I, 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 she was my favorite character, too. I did loved you, her. Did you like in, in China when they took Ralph to the um, the English class and just one of the girls happened to be the one that like translates the mm. postcard? It's like, I know all about you already because I translate your sister's letters for the guy that you're with. Oh, wow. It's like, oh, how convenient. (laughs) (laughs) Now we have a character. Bartek went full teacher mode there. He got his marker out and goes, no, this is a story convenience here. Now we have a way for Ralph to interact with the world of China, a character that can speak both languages. Hooey, wow. (laughs) Good writing. Look, I think it would have went down better for me if... Albert and his sister got to travel too. There's this this thing Mm. where even as a, I don't know, is it? Well, we learn later on that multiple people can travel in the same stand. Yeah. Yes. Which highlights even further why this childhood adventure is kind of weird when it now is just one for like the rest of the movie where it's like, you know, when you're a kid, you watch these movies and there are some where you go like, look, like Home Alone is fun. Like it's him alone fighting back but then you have stuff like goonies where it's like look a band of friends going on this magical journey that you wish you could go on and they get the treasure and so on and so forth here it's just like they start out with that and then it's like ah, and then actually just one of them i was like ah, okay the other kids didn't want to travel to australia either not even the little girl who apparently has a connection through china to australia like none of them wanted to go okay 
just yeah, the little girl who actually has a somewhat of a relationship with she the doesn't character want to, she, that she doesn't want to go in the middle half of the film because they can't middle fly <laughs> down all those kid actors to Australia. That's that's the reason. Well, not after you go to China. Not after you go to China. Um, yeah, look, I like this film, but yeah, to me, they come to Australia and it was like, oh look, there's some Australian actors I know. Look, there's Ernie Dingo. Cool. Uh, but it really lifted itself up when Tommy Tricker came back, and again, it's well, highlighting. Ryan, hold on, hold on. We can't talk about that until after the cricket game. <laughs> okay, we're back. We just had a cricket game. We can now continue <laughs> talking about the film. <laughs> no way. This is another issue with kids' movies, right? Especially from this era and when we grew up. A kids' movie would be like, here's all this plot and character stuff, guys. We've got to stop now. We're at the mall. <laughs> and there's a kid singing. Well, that was a... Guys, guys, we've got to stop now. At We're le- at the mall. <laughs> we've got to do a running montage at the mall. At least with the kids singing, that was somewhat of a payoff. <laughs> I mean, the real reason is that kid is a pop star who would needed, you know, a film career to boost and they are a musician still. Yeah, but, but I the mean... the only trivia point of the movie on it is, IMDb. Yeah. But no, I meant like because in the opening scene where we were seeing all the kids on the playground, he was the one that was like trying, coming up with the song. So it's like, oh, this kid really wants to, you know, be a musician or something. And wow. oh, now he's doing the the backing track for the uh, the wacky. Mole yeah, chase. what? I take it all back. Perfect, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Unappreciated masterpiece over mystery box. Was, was he the one on the skateboard on the first bus scene? No, going to the mall. No, no. no Sorry, you, you, I'm trying to justify too many to things. Just, you're, you're, to, you're really stretching. <laughs> They go to Australia, watch a cricket game, eventually go... Well, no, he plays in the cricket oh, game, Oh, yes, too. sorry. Plays and watch. He has to learn cricket. And uh, and then they get to Mad the Mike. Mad Mike. Mad Mike. Sheila's uncle. And they get captured. He gets captured pretty quick. Tommy Tricker is revealed to be running around in old-timey clothes. Yeah, we haven't talked about it, but like the whole plot is old-timey person sent... Uh, expensive rare stamps to a place in Australia uh-huh. and they're probably dead so Tommy's pretending to be him uh uh where did Tommy get those clothes he's dressed up in period piece accurate attire he can afford it where where, where no 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 <laughs> where did he get those where did he then you know out of all the magic in the movie <laughs> that's the bit that really got me I'm like where the fuck did this kid get these clothes? They could have just been from, like, a costume shop or something. Where? Where? I love that. In in Canada. (laughs) In Canada, The Canadian costume shop. (laughs) Um, And he's got his hair slicked down, and he's all trying to get the magic, and it, for some reason, doesn't work. He he afforded the costume after scamming two other kids, when those scenes were really, really good scenes. Uh, But you don't get to see them, because he's not the main character. And they get... You know, you already said the stuff with Mad Mike. They they get back home eventually, and we get the final scene. Yeah, the kangaroo puts it in the letterbox. Kangaroos can pick <laughs> kangaroos can pick up letters. Albert and the sister cannot. That's a reference to Skippy. Yeah, it is. Remember Skippy, the bush kangaroo. I never watched it, but I got the reference. Do you remember it? I remember it. I remember the Skippy episode of Fat Pizza. Oh, you mentioned Fat Pizza. (laughs) Everybody, where was Paulie in this movie? (laughs) How old would he have been? Like fifteen? I don't know how old Paul Fennec is. 
Was he the same age as the kids in this movie? He was could you, the kid. Could you, imagine, <laughs> could you imagine if Paul Fennick was Tommy Tricker and Tommy Tricker and the Stamp Traveler and he's still obsessed with cars. And he's got, and he's, he's got a Canadian accent. No, he's still got his Lev <laughs> accent, bro. Um, <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm I like sorry. there was a part in the film where Ralph ended his sentence by going "a." You did. You it was did. very Canadian. I actually do rewound. You wanna, do you want to talk about the final sequence of events here? Because I I don't even know where to. Um, like, I mean, he comes back home and they're like, oh, "Guys, right, that... <laughs> the sister's like, guys, I can now hold the letter. Now the rules don't apply anymore." I guess. Well, because the letter was delivered to the house. Delivered to the house. Guys, please, parents, please. Your son that's been missing for how many days? Well, no, he was on a he was on a hiking trip with the uncle. Oh, that was the that was the childhood excuse. And they all believed it. Yeah. They didn't phone the uncle or double check. Well, I mean, they probably doubted that after he came out of the letter with the kazoo music (laughs) with Tommy Tricker. Thank you, thank you. And they dropped all the stuffed toys and landed outside for some reason. Well, they did it because it was funny. Yeah. I I loved. Did you? (laughs) (laughs) Probably, I don't know. (laughs) Tears are rolling down my face at laughter of that. Oh, boy. So, um... The old man's there. As well. He stayed around for these few days. How much stamp talking does that man need to do? He's been there for like five days talking stamp. Well, there is a variable in this situation. A, is it happening in our world or the world of this film? (laughs) If it's the world of this film, you could probably last a few days talking about stamps. (laughs) Okay, boys. Give me a stamp, put on a letter, post me to my fucking grave, because Barting just put me in it. (laughs) Let let us not forget, Ryan, that there's a part of this scene where the... I think all four of the kids, like, come down the stairs holding candles and stuff, (laughs) and, like, chanting, all to present, like, you know, the book to the dad and the, the old man. And the old man had the stamp. He has a stamp like the other stamp that they had. And, oh, brother. But, okay, that's all the beginning of the climax. You're actually talking about everything that happens after what we've just talked about because there's a lot happening here. Yeah. So, you know, happy ending between Ralph and his dad. Forget about that. We find out that the plot element we haven't talked about too much. The old-timey kid who's a... Charles. Charles M. I forget the last name. Uh, sent the thing to Australia, they had to go get it, and, you know, there was a letter in the thing saying, like, if you're reading this, you know, I'm kind of sad that means I'm dead, but, you know, this is yours now. Like, no, <clears throat> whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm being dismissive of it. I mean, it's more childlike. No, no, they were pretty dismissive of it. They're like, oh, poor Charles. Oh, well. <laughs> um, and then we learn that in the old man collector's book, he's got a stamp, and he knows... About the law of stamp traveling. He knows the magic. He knows all of it. He very casually understands what all this is. He set that up earlier in the movie, too. Yeah, and he basically says, like, in fact, I've got a stamp here with a stamp traveler in it. And then he shows, like, the (laughs) magnifying glass over, like, a person at the front of the boat. He's like, if you look really closely, you can read the name on the suitcase, and it's Charles. No, 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 no. Ralph has to read it out. (laughs) C-H-A-R-L-E-S- That's Charles! <laughs> You're making the script much neater than it is. I'm, I'm fast-forwarding through it because there's a lot going on here. 
But basically, we learned that, like, oh, Charles, the kid who, you know, just, we just read the letter saying, like, if you're reading this, it means I'm dead and, mm. you know, he hasn't been seen him forever, exists in this stamp and the old man knows it. And it has kept him there. And has kept him there. And he's feeling very pitiable towards the fact, like, oh, it's such a shame that this child is that trapped in the stamp. Free, that I could free yes. at any time. Yes. <laughs> and, and the... And the <laughs> Like, all the adults and the kids suddenly have this big debate about, like, we should free, you know, we should send a letter to ourselves to free him, and then, you know, happy ending for him. But the adult's like, where's he going to go to school? Where's he going to stay? And they're, like, coming up with all these excuses, and there's, like, big argument happening. But, like, not not an argument in, like, a serious way, but, like, kind of, like... Their priorities are all wrong. The priorities are all wrong. You know, like, we should free this the prisoner. Gr- the gravity of the situation is not being reflected by their attitudes in this big conversation. And then- Albert's like, I'm an only child. It would make logical sense for him to live with me. It's like, are you sure your parents want that, Albert? Yeah, and then when they take it to the other room to have the conversation, Tommy Trick is like, I've got one more trick up my sleeve, and he steals the stamp, so presumably, like, okay... Tommy's gonna do the good thing using like his trickery mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. actually free. Mm-mm. That's yes, yes. You think that, but then the movie says otherwise. Like, oh, he's having a relapse. He's running. <laughs> like, no, Tommy's having a relapse. And then the voiceover is like, oh, Tommy had a relapse, but in the <laughs> end, he did the right thing off screen in this voiceover narration that I'm giving you now. Yeah. Uh, and at some point, a horse guy appears. But, no, no, uh, can we talk the about film? the horse guy? <laughs> yeah, Don't know. just skip over that. <laughs> they actually show you the horse guy stamp, and it's just like, it's a normal, like, it's all orange, it's a stamp, and you go, oh, okay. Somehow he got freed, but we never saw how, like, who did the magical spell for him? Like, who posted him? He was in the book. It doesn't make sense, but here's a crazier thing. It's an element of the movie that they didn't need to add, but they added it anyway because it's weird. But the great, the bizarre thing is, they dyed him and the horse orange. Yeah, like which, which like, is the, what the stamp color tint was. It's like the last thing you see in the movie, and it's like oh, that, that's not been set up before. It's just so <laughs> late in the film that it really screams like nothing more than eh, the film's over, fuck it, they'll be funny. You know what it is? It's Dan Aykroyd, drunk and Christmas skull vodka, just rambling on (laughs) until he's out of ideas so Chevy Chase literally runs through a wall and runs out of the movie. Like, look, this movie, like, nothing but trouble is what I'm referencing. Nothing but trouble is weird, but it had set up its weirdness. But by the end, when Chevy Chase runs through the wall, leaves a cartoon hole in the wall of his body, and you hear these footsteps getting into a car and driving off, you go, what's this? (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, it just rambles on until it ends. That's this movie. It rambles on until it ends, where it's like, I guess... A stamp and a horse and it's orange and like the tint. Uh, it says I'm needed here or whatever. It's, it's literally the second last shot of the film. Then the last shot you see it like riding past the characters, and none of them acknowledge him. It's just it's so last fifteen seconds of the film that it's like almost not worth the attention. But it's bizarre when it happens because you know well, films the kids not- on a laugh. Yeah, <laughs> that's the real reason. Tommy had a relapse. 
<laughs> and then you didn't hear the second half of the sentence until I showed it to you right before this. And he goes, oh, Tommy had a relapse, but it's okay. We brought Charles back to life and he's, uh, you know, and he's living with the old man and they're really happy living together. That's, oh, a lo- sure, that's the last bit I heard. I'm Go sure on. the old man was really thrilled <laughs> to have this kid living with him, but not even that. I'm sure the kid who was imprisoned by the old man was really wanting to live with him, but okay. Well, Ryan. Then you get some lore (laughs) dump on you, which is, but it's okay. Charles liked living with him because he has the, he's, he's, even though he's a kid, he's 71 years old and they love talking about these things from the past. And it's like, it raises the question of, is Tommy, you know, sorry, is the Charles character a child with the mind of a 71 year old man or is it the fact that he's a child from a time period in which the old man grew up in as well, so they can relate to each other? Yeah. Even then, let's just say that's the option, the second one I said. The the more noble option, the less weirdly existential dready option. An old man, even if he grew up in the same year periods as the little boy, doesn't inherently mean him and the little boy will get on because one is a child and one is, in fact, a full-grown adult. Am I right? Yeah, but then we also bring up the whole thing of, like... Oh, they both love stamps. (laughs) (laughs) Well, bring up the thing of Ralph was sentient when he was in the stamp. Like, he could... He was experiencing everything. Yeah, so clearly Charles, even as a child, like, his body hasn't developed, but, like... His brain has. He's had decades of mental development. Yeah, but wouldn't he be, like, in a way... uh, He would be Tom Hanks in Castaway, where he's had no interaction with people, would have no way to really engage with others, because he's been inside of a book... For like 50 years. Mm. He would be like crazy and weird and you'd actually have to give him psychological help. Even beyond the fact that he's got the mind of a 71-year-old man inside the body of ironically, a child. Ironically, Tom Hanks wanted to be on a boat. Oh. But I this kid was on a boat. I thought you said, I thought you were going to say, uh, ironically, Tom Hanks is a stamp. But <laughs> he's traveling. <laughs> he's traveling to, <laughs> to us right now. <laughs> <laughs> he was his... in the letter behind me on the postcard. <laughs> to, pick, to pick up his Oscar that I'm holding. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. This movie was... Thank you, John. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you, John. Thank you, Thank John. you, John. And you know what? <laughs> when I watched this and looked at John's other recommendations, and I kind of know John's feelings, like when we had him on for that episode on our show, where Three we talked fugitives. to Mark. Yeah, I, I looked at this and went, of course... This is really a John type movie. This is he grew. I don't know John's backstory with this, but John clearly grew up with this as a yeah, kid. I feel like and that's loved the case. it, <laughs> and was like, "The boys will love it. It's a classic." <laughs> oh, the boys will love it because it's weird. I think it's the first one because when we watched, uh, uh, what's it called, the three, the three, three fugitives. fugitives. John loved that movie. Like, oh, this is a classic, and I'm just like, yeah, it is. This is. I've never heard of it before, but this is a classic. I think this is a classic for John and many people. I read the YouTube this, comments. People this, love stamps. It, well, even beyond that, this just feels like something that's like, oh, I remember this one when I was a kid. Oh, this yeah. brings back so many memories. Like, I could totally believe that this is something like that. There was someone begging on YouTube for a Spanish version of this. They're like, please, <laughs> please. I love this, but in Spanish. 
<laughs> and that's Tommy Tricker and the Stamp Traveler. What an amazing film. There's so many bizarre moments. It cannot be understated how terrible the acting is from everybody adults and children it cannot be stated how bizarre the audio work is in this the music is completely otherworldly ryan's favorite character was the dub Mike's favorite character was the dub and it is just a film that you just don't see made often these Mm. days uh i recommend it i think you should watch it Uh, i think you will enjoy it with another person uh, to, in, in, you know, enjoy it in a way where you're eating some food, having a laugh. Don't look at it too seriously, especially if you're an adult. Uh, I, I, that's my overall uh, piece on it. You? I also recommend it. Like you said, it's just a very unique product. Yeah. Um, I feel like, maybe, I don't know about modern kids, but this definitely feels like something made for kids. Um, a lot of the bizarreness of our discussion in this episode is us looking at it from an adult perspective, being mm-hmm. like, you know, <clears throat> a lot of the topics brought up in the ending could be, you know, the setup to a horror movie. Like, how mm. fucked up is this child's kid after that? Um, but yeah, there's just so many bizarre and very sincere things about this film. Mm. Like, the, the sincerity it tackles the whole stamp collecting world, um, and a lot of very funny things. Like, it very much reminds me of so many things we've done in the mystery box where we may not have, you know, liked a lot of the things on there, but we had a lot of fun just talking about them. Oh, yeah. This will be sitting right next to Stardust, <laughs> right Even... next to, uh, uh, what was that camp one we did? Uh, I forget now. The one with the tank. Oh, Betaville? Betaville, yes. Yes, Betaville. Yeah. <laughs> right I was thinking of Finding Emo. <laughs> like, finding Emo. Yeah. I mean, even the way we did this episode, like kind of going through the whole plot of the film mm-hmm. felt like Mystery Box. Well. This is a nostalgic episode for me as well. <laughs> so what are you recommending for us next week, Bartek? Um, keeping with the theme of, you know, the little guys making these obscure movies, I want to recommend a film by a guy who, on his own two feet made a film uh, from 1997, uh, Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on, on his own two feet, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. He loves feet, I know that. He loves making films on his own two feet. Oh, man. We, we've seen him as an actor on the show before, in Desperado. We did? Yeah. It's Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown. Uh, so make sure to give that a watch. I have it on DVD. So Same here. I'm ready to go. And, uh, you know, recently I just f- finished watching Better Call Saul and uh, the lead actor in uh, Jackie Brown, Robert Robert Forrester, who was in Mulholland Drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the cop, like, yeah, at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Great actor. He was in uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Like, he only had minor part in... Uh, uh, Better Call Saul. He's like he's a he's a, he's a, he was a great actor. I'm keen to see him again. Uh, so that'll be fun. So make sure to give that a watch in the interim. You can find us on the social medias of Facebook and Twitter under Spit and Polish Presents. You can email us as well at spitandpolished at gmail.com. Feel free to give us a recommendation or a suggestion for a film to cover. Again, we preference having uh, uh, theatrically released movies or at least movies that are a little bit easy to attain, uh, mm. especially for people like us who live in Australia where we just don't always have the ability to grab everything so easily. There are some movies on the list that we are still trying to track down copies of because we are interested, but 
it's hard to find a Polish movie or it's hard to yeah. find this random movie from I've had, America yeah. that was made in 1972, <laughs> but you don't get it you know, on and on it goes. We, we've talked in the, I've talked about it in the past. Like there are films that I want to do on pictures powwow for like my non-American thing where I'm like, I want to do this, but I cannot find it. Like we've got that African one. There's mm. a Polish one that I just can't find English subtitles for. But uh, we will, if you, if you're really keen, you can still recommend them, and we'll try our best. But uh, that's it'll be it. it'll be on the list for a while. Oh, it'll be on the list right next yeah. to Tommy Tricker and the Stamp Traveler. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay, Bartek, I'm 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 Audi. I'm going to post myself to the grave because you killed me early in this episode. Anywhere you okay, okay. This is how I, I want to leave off, unless you have a really funny bit. Uh, if you had the ability to travel via a stamp, where would you post yourself? Uh, would this not just be a uh, different way of asking where do you want to go in the world? No, 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 but if you could do it via stamp. Ah, do it illegally. Yeah, yeah, do it via stamp. Okay, so somewhere where I won't get in trouble when they find me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Hmm. I know. And somewhere that a letter could go. Uh-huh. Hmm. Not Antarctica. Not Antarctica. It's boring there anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Take that, Antarctica. I would like to post myself to a... uh, I would like to post myself to NASA. I think that would be fun to kazoo my way through NASA. (laughs) 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 And they're just like, oh, no, an alien. See, when when you're introducing the element of the kazoo, suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, where would be somewhere funny, like... Uh, a mortuary. Putin. <laughs> Vladimir Putin's office. <laughs> it's like, whoa, the Kremlin. Op- I'm just being cool cat there for a second. <laughs> cool cat? Let's mail ourselves to Derek. <laughs> to Derek Savage. And he loves the kazoo. And he's like, oh, I put that as one of Cool Cat's songs. We'll, vi- we'll visit Derek Savage and we'll watch The Big Lewinsky with him. Big Lewinsky. That's how he called. That's what he said. That's what he said. That's what he said. <laughs> I do have a funny bit though that I can end the episode on. Yes. Um. Normally I have you know clever funny bits, but uh-huh. I, I figured why not one where I just make noises for like ten seconds and see if it's funny. Okay. Okay. Um. Move the mic a bit away. <clears throat> All right. Let's start the timer. <laughs> He's timing it. Um. Okay. Uh, are you ready? I- I'm ready. Okay, three, two, one. That's ten seconds. Oh, I didn't know you could speak Canadian. Yeah, eh? <laughs> <laughs>